all of my friends. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Life Over Coffee. My name is Rick Thomas, and I am so glad that you are here. The title of this podcast is The Damaging Effects of Our Anger When We Don't Own It. It is so vital that we see what we are doing to ourselves, not just what we are doing to ourselves, but what we're doing to others. And because anger is such a universal and common sin, and it is an easy, simple temptation to fall into, is something that we all struggle with to varying degrees. It is important that we understand these damaging effects, that we see what we're doing to ourselves and to others, and we do own it. So in this podcast, I want to talk about anger. And if you want to read the a full transcript of this podcast, then I do want you to come to our website. You can just type in the words damaging effects. That's all you have to do. And this article will pop up for you. And also inside the article, you'll find quite a few, uh, well over a dozen, maybe two dozen embedded links inside this article. There is also an infographic, probably the most uh, popular infographic that we have on anger is called the Anger Spectrum, and it is here. And then also I have a short video. It's just under 10 minutes that you can watch, and the title of it is called The Anger Calls and Solution. So there's a lot of resources here, and of course many of our readers use our articles as homework assignments, either personally or with those that they're caring for. Because you can do that. You can come to any article, and because of the embedded links, you can do these deeper dives into the subject matter, and you can spend literally two months working through the particular subject that you're interested in, and you can all do that from one location, the article that you have here. And so again, the title of this podcast and the article that I'm about to share with you is the damaging effects of our anger when we when we don't own it. You see, sinful anger is regularly minimized, even among Christians, especially among Christians. I say especially because we are the people that should be most accurate and most zealous in cleaning up our messes because we can. I mean, we're in a position. We are in a condition uh, where we can repent because the Spirit of God has taken up abode in us, and He illuminates our minds, and we can see with a clarity that the natural man, they cannot perceive the things of the Spirit of God because they are spiritually discerned. And so it's even worse when we who are in the body of Christ do not see, do not claim uh, these sinful things that we do and repent from them. One of the ways that we kind of skirt around our anger is by reclassifying it. We reclassify anger to lesser sounding offenses, to better sounding sin categories. Typically, when I talk to people about being angry, the response is usually along the lines of, oh, no, I'm not an angry person. I think if I were angry, I would respond differently than this. I am just frustrated. 
Do you see what they're saying? They're they're taking the word anger and they're they're changing it just a little bit. They're reclassifying it, taking the corners off of it, and they're saying that I am just frustrated. I think in order to understand anger, it would be better to go into scripture and see what the Bible says about this this sin. And of course, the probably the best passage on anger in all of Scripture as far as getting into it is what James tells us in James chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. Now, you can go further in that passage. I would recommend uh, all 10, the first 10 verses. They would be very helpful in understanding it. But for this podcast, I just want to talk about the first couple of verses because they're so insightful instructive, and I think they will also be redemptive and transformative for us. James says this. He he begins chapter 4, verse number 1, by asking a question. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Now, he's asking a question that he's not going to leave us hanging. He is actually going to answer the question, but the question that he is asking is a causal question, a source question. What is the genesis of the quarrels? What's the cause of the fights that you have amongst yourself? And here's his answer. He says, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and and quarrel. And so James answers the question by, by giving us three answers. They're all synonyms, but the, his redundancy is because he really wants us to understand this. And so he says, is it not this, your passions? That's the first synonym. Now, notice that passions are internal. He says that your passions are at war within you. And so he's locating the cause because that's the question he's asking. What is the cause of quarrels? What are causes of fights among you? And then he says, it's your passions. There's a war inside of you. So he's placing the cause inside of the angry person. And then in a redundant manner, he says, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. There's the second synonym, desire. Passions, desire. And then for those of us who are a bit slow on the uptake, he, he gives us one final sentence when he says, you covet. There's the, the third synonym. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. And so uh, James gives us a definitive answer to the question of what causes quarrels and what causes conflict among us. There are passions, desires, and coveting that is all inside our hearts. They believe an anger diagnosis is wrong when you tell them that I think you are angry and they say, no, that I am not angry. I'm just a little bit frustrated. And what they are doing is they are softening their language to the point to where their conscience no longer perceives their anger as even being sinful. So when they say, no, I am not angry, I am just a little bit frustrated, I'm just a little bit put out, 
I may be a little defensive. I might be impatient. All of those words are angry words, but what we're doing is we're cutting the corners around our anger. We are softening the sound of it. We are, we are taking down the, we're amping down our consciences. And if we continue to do that by reclassifying our anger, eventually our consciences will not set off an alarm. And they will not recognize that frustration is anger, too. And that's where this anger spectrum, this infographic that I have here in this article, it helps to illustrate the many forms of sinful anger. Now, when you look at this infographic, if you do go to the article, now I want you to have it. I want you to take this article. I want you to put it on your home screen. I want you to print it off, put it on your refrigerator or your mirror in your bathroom so that you will always be confronted in a, a restorative and redemptive way so that we don't find ourselves sliding into this subtle trap of reclassifying what we're doing. And so as you look at this graphic, what I have listed here are many manifestations of anger. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. I don't know how many manifestations, how many labels are are written here as I look at it myself, but there are more than 20, and they go anywhere from volatile, loud anger to the more subtle forms of anger. Sinful anger will manifest itself on a spectrum All of us have a preferential way of getting angry, which is why that our labels must be clear. Without understanding the gradations of anger, you will not perceive yours. I will not perceive mine. And if we don't perceive it, then, well, we won't be able to change. You see, Paul said in Ephesians 4.22 that we are to put off our old person, that, that former manner of life that we have brought into our Christian experience. We are to put it off. But if you don't know how to identify any destructive behavior, then you will not be able to put it off. And if we modify our behavior and reclassify our behavior, then we will amp down our conscience. It will no longer set off an alarm. We will not hear the signal of our internal moral thermostat telling us that you need to stop doing what you're doing, but we've gone through a series of rationalizing and justifying our behavior to where now we are flying blind. Now, as you look at this this anger spectrum that has all of these cat all these labels these categories of of anger you will notice that all of these words fit into one basket with the label anger on it and that's it's important to understand that and so when you think about an ongoing pattern of disappointment as you see here as you will see here on this spectrum or gossip or cynicism or impatience or rolling the eyes or criticalness or slander or apathy or negativity or bitterness or uh, uh, manipulation or huffing under the breath all of those things and there's several more here but they fit into one big basket and the label on that basket is anger like there are shades of black there are shades of anger now please understand that i am not the word police and if you want to call your sinful anger something else other than anger or what james says i mean 
Actually, the word that you would put on the basket would be murder. You remember what he said? This is strong. This is strong language. He says, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. That was the label that he put on the basket and all these different manifestations and the words that we like to use are inside that big murderous basket. And I think that is really important for us to understand because he's not downplaying our anger. He sees the seriousness of it. And so sinful anger will manifest on this spectrum that I have here and there will be different gradations. And Paul said that we have to put off that former man of life. And so without being word policing, we don't want to play whack-a-mole with people where if they don't use the right word, that's fine. It's fine with me as long as you are willing to acknowledge that it is sinful, assuming that it is. Consequences are different. Now, I realize that different anger is different. I mean, you know, if you're going to do, if you're going to choose to be angry at me, I'd rather for you to do the silent treatment than to throw something at me. It reminds me when my, uh, when I was young and my mother threw an ashtray at my brother and hit him upside of the head. She had quite the arm and it had quite the velocity and he had quite the hard head, thank God. It didn't kill him. But I'd rather for you to, to, to do the silent treatment than to me than to throw an ashtray and hit me upside the head because the consequences are different. But in this podcast, I am not talking about consequences, okay? In fact, if you go on to James in chapter 2, verse 10, he says, if you commit one sin, then you're guilty of all of them. And so just because you're not the kind of person to throw an ashtray at someone or throw a chair across the room or yell obscenities in congested traffic, it does not mean you may use a that you're using a smaller nail to put Christ on the cross so that you can feel better about yourself. He died for all of our sins, not just the big ones. And so you may express anger through impatience or apathy or dismissiveness or frustration, which was my initial illustration. Most of us have our refined forms of anger, our refined anger manifestations. The more coarse and obvious ones do not typically characterize civilized believers or civilized people in general, which makes the temptation to tamp down our actions all the stronger, to understand that we can do that. Being blind to blindness, being blind to our own blindness, is the worst possible condition of the soul. The Hebrew writer talked about this in Hebrews three four, and then all uh, in three seven, and then also four seven, where he talked about today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, which is what I've been talking about. That we can take down the noise of our conscience to where we do not perceive it any longer. Which is why I titled this podcast and the article that I'm sharing with you the damaging effects of our anger when 
when we don't own it. So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So we don't want to reclassify. And another trap that we can fall into is that we can compare ourselves to other people. Well, I'm not as angry as that person. I don't act like them. And again, it gets into the big nail that put Christ on the cross and the little nail as though the little nail makes us a better type of person. When Paul talked about those people who who compare themselves to others, he said that they were fools or foolish. That too is strong language. He said this in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. Whenever we sense the urge to compare ourselves with others, the best course of action at that juncture is is to compare ourselves with Christ. I mean, if you want to compare yourself with anyone, then don't compare yourself with the fifth graders. Compare yourself with the twelfth grader. In this case, compare yourself with with Christ. That will that will have a humbling effect, and it, it will also give us an aspirational uh, desire. The comparison trap is a snare that can give us a sense of justification for our anger. Once we remove the grievousness of our sin by rounding the jagged corners off of it, there will be less motivation to repent. Let Christ be the measuring stick that gauges our maturity. Comparing ourselves with others, it may make us to feel better about ourselves while comparing ourselves to Christ is a more honest reality check. One of the ways that you can do this is by filtering your anger through the interpretive grid of James's filter. If the anger manifestations is sinful, then what we are actually talking about is, is murder. I said earlier that, that anger is a, a basket word that has all of these many manifestations, and so anger is the label that is on the basket. But that's not what James said. James didn't write anger on the basket and filled it with all of these different manifestations. He wrote the word murder on it. Again, the passage is James 4, 1 and 2. He says this, What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire, and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot attain, so you fight and quarrel. James called it quite bluntly, directly, murder. Take a look at my anger spectrum if you have time to come over to our website and and look at it. I do want you to benefit from it. And what I've done, and I'm going to try to explain it to you here, but I've taken a spectrum and then they're polar opposites. And so on one end, as far as you can go, I have the word murder. And then if you go all the way to the other end of the spectrum, I have the word murder. And so those are the polar 
opposites. They're on each end of the spectrum. You'll see the word murder. Now, what that means is, now, of course, if you go to the far left, murder, that's the more volatile form. If you go to the far right, to murder. You have all the subtle forms of anger. But again, remember, James, it doesn't matter if it's subtle or if it's the most volatile form of anger that you can think of. James just called it one thing. The label on the basket is murder. And so as you move to the far left of the spectrum, you'll run into eventually the word murder, and that is the worst manifestation of anger. Now, physical murder says, I do not want you to exist any longer, so I'm going to do away with you. I'm going to disappear you. I'm going to kill you. Now, consequentially, there is not a more heinous sin of anger that you can commit against another individual. That's as far as you can go on the spectrum. Of course, as you come back from physical murder, you'll have sexual abuse and hatred and physical abuse, throwing things, as I mentioned, road rage, flipping people off, yelling lecturing people, racism, and there's all kinds of volatile, sinful anger, but if you push it as far as you possibly can, you will have physical physical murder, and physical murder says, I do not like you. I do not like you so much that I'm going to get rid of you. I'm going to physically kill you. And then if you move all the way to the other end of the spectrum, you will eventually run into murder again. Now, what that murder is, is silent treatment. See, silent treatment says this, I don't like you so much that I am a a civilized person, so I'm not going to physically kill you, but I am going to pretend that you do not exist. And so both of them have this idea of you not existing any longer. The most volatile form, obviously, is physical murder, and the most subtle form of anger that we have is the silent treatment, pretending that you do not exist any longer. Now, again, physical murder is a consequentially worse manifestation of anger, but still, any form of sinful anger is an offense against the holy God who refuses to listen to the trifling manipulations of our rationalizations. And so don't succumb to the consequential argument as a way to wiggle from the repentance that should be forthcoming. Now, please understand consequentially, but I'm not making a consequential argument. I'm just saying that all sin, whether it's as far as you can go to all sins of anger, whether it's as far as you can go to the left, physical murder, or as far as you can go to the right, the silent treatment, and every form and manifestation in between requires our repentance. Murder is one of the ways we communicate the sin of anger in our home. We have taken James's cue, and we just we have on occasion just called it that because what it does is that it just changes the whole the whole scope of how we think about our peculiar manifestation that we use. It helps to level the playing field, and it encourages us to aggressively engage our hearts as we make a path forward to walk out repentance. We don't want to give ourselves over to non-redemptive hyperbole, but each family member must see 
the seriousness and wretchedness of anger. We must take all sin seriously because any evil, big or small, puts Christ on the cross. And so when I am impatient, which is my pet anger sin, that's my precious, that's the the one that I tend to lean into more than anything else. If you look at all the manifestations of sin on this anger spectrum, you will eventually see impatient, which is on the more subtle side of the spectrum, but that is the one that I tend to um, employ Uh, more often. And so when I am impatient, I have found it helpful to think of myself as a murderer. When I see myself as a murderer, there's no place to run, to hide, to justify my words. There's only one option. Repent to those who experienced my specific version of anger. Do you want wiggle room when it comes to your sin? I mean, seriously, do you want to skirt around your anger, no matter how light it may appear? Isn't it better to steer away from ambiguous and subjective gradations? This is the verse I was talking about earlier when I said, if you don't identify it clearly without being heavy-handed word policey, But in Ephesians 4, Paul did say this, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. If you're serious about change, then give anger the full credit that it deserves. Name it and claim it. Rather than lounging around in the pool of purposeless excuses, jump into the water of God's cleansing word and and be brutally honest with yourself. Once you've identified what you need to put off, then you can move to the transformative stages of renewing your mind and putting on a new kind of person that is created differently, differently from you. It's created like someone else. That mindset is humility. That's the beginning of renewing the mind, which is the condition that opens the door to God's empowering favor on your life. Talking about empowering favor as you continue through James's passage in James 4, eventually you will get to verse number 6. That's why I was saying that that entire pericope of 10 verses would be so vital. But in verse number 6, he says that he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The word opposes there in that verse means God is a warring army against any proud person, but he gives grace to the humble. And I I like the modifier of empowering grace. It empowers us to do something that is radically different from our former manner of life. 
The title of this podcast and the article that I'm sharing with you is The Damaging Effects of Our Sin When We Don't Own It. There is an infographic that I've been talking about throughout. We call it, I call it, the anger spectrum. It's one of the graphics that I sketched out a long time ago when I was meeting with some folks, and and as I have always have done, that I sketch out my counseling sessions, and then I'll typically bring them back and then put them in a nicer infographic and fictionalize and flatten them out so it doesn't point to any particular person. But because it was helpful for them, it's beneficial for others, and this anger spectrum has been uh, quite popular that people have used it, and it has brought so much clarity mainly because the temptation is to tamp down what we do and to rationalize and justify it to where we no longer see it, no longer own it, and then it does have that damaging effect uh, on our own souls as our conscience goes from dull to hard, but it also has a damaging effect on others. And so that graphic is in this article. Also, a 10-minute video, if you would like to uh, watch it, you're welcome uh, to do it. Now, one of the things, just let me close with a couple of questions. Uh, As you think about your anger, would you pray through your particular manifestation? Maybe uh, you can ask those who are close to you. This could be a wonderful opportunity of, of leadership as you lead others, as you lead yourself, and ask them what is your unique, particular, most often used manifestation of anger. Perhaps you can look at this anger spectrum. You could print it off, and maybe you could add others to it, because again, it's not an exhaustive list. But the question is, will you acknowledge your anger regardless of the type? Will you see it as a sin motivated by passions and desires and coveting, and that no No matter the size of the nail, any nail will put Christ on the cross, and then would you start mapping out a plan of repentance? As always, if you have any questions for me and our team, you can come to our community forums. They are free to you. We are a dialogue ministry, and that is the place to talk about this podcast or whatever else that's on your mind. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.